Hello, ladies and gentlemen. We have another great show of the Four Guys Roundtable Show. It's me, Joe Theo, Darth Pat, AG Nitro, and Coach, Coach Jeremy. I can never keep a straight face when you do these damn intros. <laughs> well, I, I like to mix it up, do something different, change my voice, just make me a little weird. You know, that's my personality, I guess. But yeah. I, I pretty much figured out that the whole point behind him doing the intro was to make sure that he got us to all laugh. But you know, it can't be the same every single time. <laughs> I like, I like, I, I like that. Don't change. No. <laughs> oh, and real quick, we're gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna just like get this out of the way. Our unofficial sponsor of today, this evening, it's Hell or High Watermelon, <laughs> freshly brewed in watermelons. Sounds. I like it. Anyway, <laughs> let's keep going. If I liked watermelons, I might say I might like that, but I'm a little afraid to try that because it's got watermelon in it. So, you know, you know, the crazy part is like when I'm drinking this, you don't you don't initially taste the watermelon. You can barely taste it, but there is a little bit of like an aftertaste kind of with a little bit of watermelon in it. Mm-hmm. Um, tastes like eating lager with watermelons, but uh, I don't know. I have another can sitting here, so let's see how fast this one goes and the next one goes and then. You know, I'm not a lightweight like some people on this podcast. <laughs> yeah, I'm wondering how I'm gonna Just say feel it. after my big mug of beer here. <laughs> uh, that's today, that's two in there. I could be feeling pretty fun by the end of this podcast. I, is he Pat has something too? He's probably got some alcoholic stuff. I in am there. the only one currently. Oh, okay. I was gonna say I'm not drinking. You know, I just this is. Uh, this is uh, Minute Maid sugar-free lemonade. You might as well drink water. He's high rolling tonight. (laughs) He's high rolling. Um, I just felt like it had to be a beer night. I don't know. I was just feeling the beer. I think every podcast might be a beer night for me now. (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm in the middle of two projects. Um, Getting my little HGTV going on here. Um, I'm building my own computer desk, which I'm almost done with. Nice. Custom computer desk. And then we needed a new kitchen table. So there's a store down here called Restore. Oh, um, nice. It's a place. So it's, uh, I don't, if anyone doesn't know what that is, it's a place where people donate a lot of stuff. I'm talking about like front doors, kitchen tables, furniture, all kinds of shit. You can find all kinds of stuff there. Got, got a stove so, at one of those places. Yeah. They, and sometimes like you see the one we went to to get this kitchen table there was a contractor. He's he pulled up and he was like, "Hey, I got a whole bunch of extra stuff." He goes, he goes, "I can't use it no more for the job." And they were like, "Okay," and he had like pallets of like extra tile from like five different jobs. So he was just wow. like unloading tile. And I was like, "Holy shit! I wish I had a house." Now I would have been like, "How much are we selling this tile for?" Um, but no, we found an old table. It's a legit nice square table, and it has extensions in the middle. Mm-hmm. And um, we already have chairs because the table we have is like 12 years old. So it's just breaking and I'm tired of fixing it. So I have uh, got a new sander and I'm sanding the whole thing down and refinishing it and all that stuff. It's kind of something I know I enjoy doing, building and refinishing stuff. So And and in about uh, three days, I will, be get, I will get to see that firsthand because I will be going down to visit Theo. <laughs> Oh, yeah, the kitchen table probably will not be. Uh, that's kind <laughs> of get to see. started I'll still get to see. <laughs> the, the computer desk should be finished yes. by then, I'm hoping, at least. 
So I will be traveling down to North Carolina to see Theo. Fantastic. Hey, just, or, just, or, just remember, the more pieces you have left over at the end, the better job you did. <laughs> um, I had to make a few adjustments today. Um, I did. But, uh, yeah, I changed my mind on something. And I was like, ah, I got some extra pieces. I can use it for something else. Oh, well, it, it is what it is. But, yeah, that's what I've been doing the last this whole goddamn week when I have a chance to. Yeah, speaking of projects, uh, my wife and I, we finally decided, you know, what we decided, I ripped down an entire deck. Like, this thing was a monster. It was, like, 15 by 24. It was the whole back of our house, and it extended past our house in the back. Um, I ripped that down this summer, way back in, like, May when we started having nice weather. And then we got a contractor in to do our patio, and he's just about done, and it looks fantastic. Like, Ooh. I'm excited for this damn thing to be done. Um, <laughs> took it because he was had so many <clears throat> other projects, other jobs he was doing. Our, and I told him there's no timeline on ours. Just, you know, when you get a chance, you know, come over, get it done. You know, so our job kind of got pushed to the back, so to say. So it was taking him a long time, but this thing's almost done. It looks beautiful. We got a nice wall. We're going to have a little planter area at the end of the patio, in between the wall and the patio. Oh, sweet. So, you know, we're going to put up, like, maybe hydrangeas to make essentially, like, a, a wall so people can't see straight through to the street to the backyard. You know, it's okay. going to be really, really nice, and it's a nice big area. So when you guys are in the area, including you, Mr. Darth Pat, um, we can sit outside. It's got a built-in fire plate, fire pit. So we got a fire pit to sit around and hang oh, out, sweet. And drink brews and stuff with a sitting wall. So it's really, it's gonna be. I'm so excited because I've wanted a damn outside area forever, and I'm like, I can't build this fucking thing because there is no way I'm gonna do it right. Not with all the <laughs> shit that you need and the knowledge that you need. I'm like, I can't watch enough YouTube videos to figure this shit out, right? <laughs> I mean, text, calling text the professional. Text. Decks are good to a certain extent, but like those like patios like that with the cement and the fire pits and you could just do more with them uh, than oh, you yeah. can with the traditional deck. And it's just you get more out of it, more bang for your buck. Hopefully I'll be coming to visit you, Jeremy, in like September. Oh, yeah. We'll be sitting out by the fire pit then for sure. Mm -hmm. So I, I have a question for Coach Jeremy. Did you win any, win any of those medals with a broken freaking neck? <laughs> <laughs> No. <laughs> no. What I have behind me, I needed some decor. I was like, I'm, I'm looking, I'm thinking, I don't have anything behind me. You know, I don't got the half nudie lady in the back of me. You had uh, jerseys, no though. Pictures. You had jerseys. Uh, I rearranged my room, so I didn't want to put the jerseys back up. So what I do have here for all our viewers, and I'll explain for our listeners, I got a second place medal behind me for the basketball team that uh theo and i coached together when we took second place and then i have a first place medal on this side from the year that i took over and theo was my assistant which is kind of funny we switched flip-flop because theo went up to the next uh level and then kind of came back down to help me out and then i got my spartan medal from when i ran a spartan race last year which was absolutely freaking insane because it was in palmerton uh, you you guys all lived here, so you know where Pomeranian is. Yep. And it was up Blue Mountain. Mountain. It's it was up Blue Mountain. So um, for anybody that's ever 
you know, that's listening has ever ran a Spartan race. If you've ever run one of the mountain races, they are hard as balls. Like they are straight up and then straight down eventually with heavy shit to carry and uh, hard ass obstacles to do. So yeah, so those are my best. Good for you. I'll pass. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I did it with my brother-in-law. And, you know, I'm one of those people, like, I could have probably gone on ahead of him just because, I don't know, physical conditioning, whatever it may be, you know, I was able to do certain things a little bit easier than he was. And, you know, we were both getting blown out of water by everybody pretty much. But, you know, it's it's not a competitive thing. It's just try and finish. Try and do as much as you can. Um, Unless, of course, you're running competitive because there are people that do it competitively. And he's like, dude, just go ahead, go ahead, because I was – he saw me getting ahead of him at one of the things we were, it was the sandbag carry. You had to go down the hill about 50 yards, turn the corner and then come back up the hill, 50 yards. Damn. Yeah. With a probably like 60 pound sandbag. And he was, you know, we were both dying, but I was getting up there a little bit faster. He's like, just go ahead, just go ahead. I'm like, dude, like, I asked you to come on this. Like, I'm not going to leave you by yourself and in the dust. Like, that's just like, okay, bro. See ya. Yeah. I was like, that's just like, I'm thinking to myself, that's fuck. That's fucking rude. You ask somebody to come do this. They pay their hard earned money to do it. And you're going to leave them in the dust and make them do it by themselves. Like, that's kind of dickhead move. So I was like, no, man, I'll, you know, I'll stick with you. If I get done first, that's no problem. I ain't going for the best time in the world. I'm not going to finish it in 45 minutes anyways. Which was kind of crazy because in our aged group, which was the 40 to 45-year-olds, there was a dude that finished that shit in 45 minutes. I was like, holy balls, man. You are fucking super in shape. (laughs) He's training seven days a week. God damn. Yeah, because we finished in about an hour and 50 minutes. So almost two hours it took us. But we we did a lot of walking. We were kind of tired at one point, and we kind of walked a lot. (laughs) So... (laughs) But it was that you did that, though. Yeah. And I would do it again. I think I would not do a mountain course. I would try and pick a little bit flatter course than a mountain course. But I'd definitely do it again. I want to try some of the other ones out there, like Bone Frog. There's the Bone Frog. There's um, Savage. There is Tough Mudder. So there's a bunch of different ones that have sprouted up since the Spartan race came about. And I think Tough Mudder actually was the original. And they kind of, I think they sparked uh, the Spartan one to get going. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, so right. also, go ahead. Happened? Sorry, you let's get rolling. Happened? Get rolling. Yeah. What are we rolling? Some doobies. <laughs> smoke a little smoke. <laughs> uh, we've we've we already established on an earlier podcast that only two of the four of us dabble in that ever. <laughs> yeah, that was many. That was a lot of years right. ago. I so said you and I ever. don't dabble in the doobie anymore. <laughs> but that's all right. Yes, we can get rolling. Should we get rolling and? bring our listeners into the actual podcast unless anybody else has another story they'd like to share no it's rated x i don't want to go to boom boom town today (laughs) (laughs) oh go ahead i'm all ears once upon a time (laughs) jeremy started the podcast (laughs) (laughs) darth pat has jokes today too (sighs) Our podcasts are so much better when Darth Pat has jokes. It there is. All it's right, so funny. let's get this party started. Oh, there we go. Yes. I, don't, I, don't, I don't hear the podcast starting. So. Yes. So 
Before we do get started, though, we always have a nice public service announcement, and we do want to thank all our listeners that are, one, watching us on YouTube. We do appreciate it, and all our listeners that are catching us on uh, iTunes, Spotify, and Stitcher. Uh, we do appreciate you guys tuning in. If you are watching on YouTube, though, we do appreciate you subscribing to the channel. Turn on the notifications so you don't miss an episode, and also give us a like. Drop a comment if you feel like commenting. We'd like to know what you guys think. We'd love to hear from you guys. You know, we... You know, we're doing this, and if you guys don't tell us, hey, you guys sound like shit, we don't know what to fix. You know, we don't know if we sound like shit or if we're doing something good. So tell us. Let us know. Um, if you're catching us on iTunes, Spotify, or Stitcher, you know, make sure you subscribe there, too. Leave us a rating so we can help you know, help us jump up the charts. That way, other people that are can hear us just like you are, they can enjoy us. If you're enjoying us, once again, it just helps us out. We're doing this for fun. We want people to have a good time just like we are. With that being said... Let's jump into our podcast and let's talk about wrestling promos. Oh, yes, the promo. And we got a couple different things we want to talk about today and with the promo. And we're going to start off with the evolution of the promo. Then we're going to talk a little bit about some wrestlers that are – they're just good mic people. They're good on the stick. And then we're going to talk about the current state of the promo, what's going on right now, how we feel about promos in general, how they've been going. So let's kick it off with the evolution of the promo. And Theo, why don't you start us yes. off with that? <clears throat> the evolution of the promo. Well, it's a promo. That's all I got to say. Thank you. <laughs> that is a very wise thing. It's a promo. I need to take a sip of beer. So. <laughs> oh. So where should we start? I mean, promos, 70s, uh, I don't know not too much about the 70s. 80s. Yeah, probably the 80s. Uh, well, late I've... 70s, I would say, because of Billy, uh, superstar Billy Graham was doing some promos and stuff like that. And uh, God, um, Don Morocco, trying to think who else was starting to do promos back then. I mean, you could say Dusty Rhodes because he is old at this point i know he's passed away but he was old he was doing stuff in the 70s and uh he kind of hit his niche though in his in his wheelhouse in the 80s though um wow i the promo how do i say it seemed like you only had a select group of people back then doing promos and they kept putting those same people on over and over again and you had specific mouthpieces because I like, remember back then too, um, mm -hmm. you know, one of Darth Pat's favorite people, um, <laughs> Jim Cornette was a was a good was a good mouthpiece <laughs> for for you know groups factions you know in different wrestling organizations he was in. Uh, let's see, the '90s was, you know, the '90s I think is really where it kind of kicked off, um, pretty much. When WCW was kicking WWE's ass, and they had to figure out what to do, uh, so you know the Attitude Era comes about, and you have a lot of hotty mouth, the dirty <laughs> promos with mm. a lot of craziness going on. Um, in regards to that, some fun times. Uh, then the early 2000s wasn't too bad but you know some company had to go pg-13 because of some goddamn wrestler named john cena just because he wanted to sell products to these fucking kids these <laughs> women goddamn broads jesus christ I salute you i salute you but i've never been at 
and the military. Fuck them kids. <laughs> I'm, I'm only kidding females. That was just a joke. He's going to say, Joe, just cost us all three of our female listeners. <laughs> uh, it's, 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 it's a interesting evolution. I think there's definitely a downside to it where you only had maybe five or six good promo people at a you know for a good stretch because of the pg-13 if you really wanted to go look for a good promo um you had to look elsewhere you had to go to the other wrestling organizations to find people there that were doing good promos um in regards to that um i don't know anyone else chime in on that one it's kind of because i don't go in so many different directions with yeah this kind of it was topic the, like the Attitude Era definitely changed everything. So, like, promos were, like, not always funny, necessarily. Like, I think that, like, when we got DX and we got The Rock and even, like, the NWO and WCW, they started, like, be- being more about making people laugh and being funny. Whereas I think before that, there was some of that, but there wasn't an overabundance of that. Like, you know, back in the 80s, especially, they weren't really cutting promos to be funny. I don't really remember watching. No. Other than watching <laughs> DiBiase make people bounce basketballs and bark like dogs. I don't remember a lot of stuff back in the 80s or like even the early 90s that was like funny. Like it, like something changed where everybody was like, OK, being funny and potty mouth, like Joe, Joe said, Theo said, the, the potty mouth and the and the racy stuff, like, you know, like the sexual innuendo and all that stuff, that being able to do all that stuff just opened up the doors for lots of other stuff that had never been done promo-wise because everything was kind of vanilla before the Attitude Era. Maybe, maybe a little bit before the Attitude Era, it started a little bit, but it was a lot of vanilla stuff in the late 80s and early 90s, I think, to some degree. It kind of, like, went where... You had Flair and Dusty doing like very serious promos in the early '80s, and even even in WWE, you know, you had Roddy Piper's. Right. I guess you want to call them promos. You had Roddy Piper, but you had the Piper's Pit, and there's like stuff they were doing that was very like serious. And then the late, like like AJ said, late '80s, early '90s, it kind of took a, a down. It went down. It was everyone had it was trying to be funny and doing the clown and you know, other shit going on where it kind of was like, ah, these promos are kind of shitty. Then you have the Monday Night Wars where, you know, you have a, a very good promo from Scott Hall coming out on a Nitro show. Like, you want a war, you're going to get a war. You know, that's like the biggest part of that promo. And it kind of like, I think, took off from there with the uh, the battle between the two companies. You know, WCW was cutting some good, serious promos and, WWE had to figure out what the hell to do to compensate that. And you kind of put the attitude area in there and, you know, DX just going off and doing crazy shit. And then after air, air, attitude area, it kind of goes down a little bit because, you know, the whole PG 13. Uh, I mean, and, the PG, the PG didn't really start until the end of the ruthless aggression era. So there was four years yeah, probably there where still ruthless aggression was kind of weird because it was like, you're trying to have like, you have wrestlers try to cut like a serious promo, but they have to watch their language. So it doesn't come off as good. So then you kind of go into the PG 13 where it's like, I think what changed for there is and give credit to Cena is where, you know, being the rapper Cena and having yeah. kind of like promo battles per se. 
and you like you see the kind of evolution of the promo battles where they're kind of like dissing each other things of that nature and i think punk took it another step further with the pipe bomb because that took it to like talking half wrestling <laughs> but like real life shit going on mm. backstage of like what wrestlers are really going through and speaking his mind because that kind of kicked off and you saw that in like in the indie circuit and other wrestling organizations things like that and now it's kind of like still it's a little bit they're okay now now it's like more you're seeing a new crop some veterans that are still doing it and some new people coming up and really killing it on the mic Darth Pat, I would like to hear your take on what you think the evolution of the promo is, because you you are like our resident historian. You seem <laughs> to remember a, a lot of shit about a lot of wrestling stuff. So I'd like to know your opinion on, you know, what the promo was more like in this, the 70s, 80s to where it kind of has gone to in the attitude era, WCW times and, and stuff like that. Like give it, I would like to hear your take. Well, I think I don't necessarily disagree with anything, anything that's been said so far. I really also feel that, yeah, promos didn't really start until the seventies. Like prior to that, I mean, it's, it's really hard to even find like say promo footage of like say Bruno San Martino. You can find interviews with Bruno San Martino, but you know, it's like they're they're really like serious and they're asking him about, well, you know, how's your training been going? How what what do, what do you think of your upcoming opponent like whoever it was whether he was wrestling, you know, Ivan Koloff or Gorilla Monsoon or Haystacks Calhoun or whoever the hell it happened to be. Um, mm-hmm. to, to me, I think like the origins of the modern promo basically start in the seventies, and there's really there's really three guys that I think of: superstar Billy Graham, Dusty Rhodes, and Nick Bockwinkle. Bockwinkle, I remember. Bachwinkle kind of personified the 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 arrogant heel. Like he was an extension really from from Buddy Rogers. I don't know what Buddy Rogers was like as a promo. I don't think I've ever heard of Buddy Rogers promo. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but Bachwinkle was really filling that. And it's from him that you get to guys like Ric Flair and Tully Blanchard in the eighties. Dusty, I mean, was was Dusty. I mean, he was the guy, you know, telling you about uh how, how he was the perpetual you know baby face underdog basically and you know hulk hogan has said he borrowed a lot from dusty Rhodes, and you know obviously plenty of other guys did billy graham though was really the trendsetter because he's the yeah. guy he's the guy who basically he was the cool heel like i mean when they did um you know they did like the career retrospective dvd about him in wwe sometime in the mid-2000s they even called it you know, 20 years too soon. I mean, they were just basically saying he was way ahead of his time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you definitely, you definitely saw so many guys bar from him. Hogan, obviously, Jesse Ventura, obviously. Uh, I think Michael Hayes, you know, you can draw a lot of extension from, from Billy Graham. So those guys kind of started. Then when you kind of go into the 80s, you, know, you got guys who were like, like I said, they were borrowing. And like I've mentioned a lot of those guys already, Hogan, Hayes, Ventura, uh, Dusty's obviously still there in the 80s, and you got guys like Flair and Blanchard. The one guy who I felt was the true innovator in the 80s was Roddy Piper. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I really felt like because he was the kind of guy that obviously he was a heel for a while. I mean, well, uh, pre WWF, I mean, he he was a heel. Then he turned face when he was in you know Mid Atlantic, and then when he comes to WWF, he goes back to being a heel for you know his first couple of years before he turns face again. 
But, you know, Piper's promos were all about, like, the unpredictability element. They were mm-hmm. more about, they were more about, sometimes it was about, like, you know, he was kind of like the introduction of, like, the smart-ass kind mm-hmm. of character. Yeah, I agree with that 100%, yeah. Which really much more became, you know, much more prevalent in the 90s. But, but Piper was also about kind of setting you up and then swerving you really at the last second, whether it was when he smashed the coconut over Snuka's head. Or, you know, when he started beating up that jobber guy that one time and everything. Yeah, what was um, his what was his hook? Well, I always forget. I mess it up. Like when the, he. The line, you mean? Yeah, the line that he always threw out. I, just, what is it? Just, I, uh. Just when they think they got the question, they got the answers. I changed the question. The que- that's what it was. Yeah. I love that. That basically summed up what Roddy Piper's promo was like. So. To, to me, like, those are a lot of the main guys in the 80s. I mean, Ole Anderson was also a good talker. Uh, I mean, uh, if you ever want to really go back, and some people may not be too familiar with this, if you ever want to go look at the, the Ole Anderson-Dusty Rhodes feud and Georgia Championship Wrestling in 1980, when Ole turned on Dusty in pretty dramatic fashion, you hear the promo surrounding that, though. They're, you know, they're, they're, they come off as being very, very real and very intense. So that's, that was a good thing about that. Arn Anderson was a good talker. All of the four horsemen were good talkers. Mm-hmm. And then I think Joe touched on it too. You know, a lot of guys in that era weren't necessarily talkers because they didn't have to because they had the manager. A real yeah. manager, which we don't really yeah. see anymore, but yeah. Right. It's, it's, it's a completely lost start. The only guy who still does it anymore is Paul Heyman. And that's only for one guy. You know, it's not like when they, these guys all had stables of guys. I mean, you know, Cornette was one of the great heel manager talkers. Obviously, probably the best. Bobby Heenan. Bobby Heenan. Jimmy Hart was always good. I've heard a lot of people say that he was better when he was in Memphis than when he was in WWF. I haven't seen enough of his Memphis stuff to know for sure. Uh, Gary Hart, I think, is a guy who, again, some younger people may not recognize because he never was in WWF. And I think the last time he was majorly in WCW was the early 90s. Uh, But he was was a really good talker. Like, even if you ever saw... Mm -hmm. If you happen to catch any old like uh, Global Wrestling Federation episodes on ESPN Classic, uh, even when that promotion was was kind of like you know had nothing going on for it, then they had like a really young Harlem Heat and uh, you know a young uh, JBL at the time, and they had really no like name talent because everybody had left. Gary Hart was still out there making you believe that you know he was you know really effective as a manager, so he was good. Um, I, I mean, I, I know Matt mentioned DiBiase or AJ mentioned DiBiase. Um, Jake Roberts was another guy who I'd say you could kind of say was a little innovative in the eighties because he had a, he had a style that was all his own. It was that, you know, cold calculating, you know, slow talking. He didn't have to be loud. He didn't have to be in your face, which was new because most of the guys at that time were, were, were yelling and screaming at you to a certain extent. I mean, Hogan did. It was a lot of yelling and screaming promos. Yeah, Hogan and Piper did. Even guys like like Dusty and, and Flair, um, you know, they might they might start off like you know like like here for a volume level, but by the end of their promo, they're up here. You know, Flair especially. So, so, but so did, the guy, uh, the well, guy in the eighties, just just for Savage was the guy in the eighties for me that I really liked on the mic because I thought he was a little bit unique. You know, the, the, the coffee cream of the crop, like his, his, he had some really good promos, like at, you know, in the, at the end of the eighties, like he was the guy for me, like you guys, like we're all kind of enamored with Piper 
where I wasn't as enamored with Piper. I didn't really like Piper that much. I'm not really, was never really there with him. He was a good heel, but I, Savage was, I think, the first guy. Mm-hmm. Like, like when I, when you're a kid, and I'm not, I'm not trying to knock on Hogan, but his promos became the same thing. Like watching him when I was a kid, it's not the same thing as watching him now. And he was basically saying this and you could get away with that. Then that that's another way the promos evolved. I think that guys said the same essential thing over and over and didn't really fill in the gaps with other stuff. Whereas when it evolved, you have to be able to fill in in between the, the saying your prayers and your vitamins, you have to be able to fill in between that stuff. And Hogan just kind of did the same thing for years. And then it evolved to where, Stone Cold and The Rock, and those guys had to, like, put stuff in between. So I just wanted to say something about Savage. Go go on, Darth Pat. No, that's 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 a good point. And I was going to say, kind of when you, when you kind of move on into the 90s then, there was a lot, I think, more about you started to see a mesh of styles. Like, Flair went to WWF, and WWF fans, I think, at first, didn't really quite know, know what to make of Flair's promo style <laughs> because – they were getting like the Hogan, you know, you know, train, say your prayers, take your vitamins, the the insane warrior. <laughs> uh, I mean, hey, say what you want I mean, about the talking that about it, something. That promos, Whatever. And that is, yeah, yeah, and that his promos didn't make any sense. They had the intensity to them that it really didn't matter that they didn't. Eve. So he was a thing. unique. He was a very unique person on the mic. I don't know if we've ever seen anybody quite like the warrior. So here's the thing. Let me jump in here real quick with the warrior. Between Savage and Warrior, but yeah. Yeah. Let me jump in here with the warrior real quick because, you know, when I was a kid and I watched the warrior and he was saying, I had, as a kid, I had no idea what the hell he was talking about. (laughs) I'm like, I don't even think we, we still know as adults kind of, but. But what Darth Pat said is the intensity. That's what made you pay attention to his promos. Like, yeah. As a kid, you had no idea because he was talking about government and space and all kinds of crazy ass shit. unknown. But his intensity made you pay attention to his promo, even though you had no idea what he was talking about. And that's a crazy thing. Like he he was promoing about pretty much nothing that made any sense. No logical sense. How much he was into his promo made you pay attention. Wow, and he and now as an adult. He looked cool and he had the cool paint and everything. Warriors get up was pretty appealing. But as an adult, you listen to him. You're like, you don't it. What he's saying is like, what the hell? Where does this come from? What the hell are you talking about? Like this? Who are you wrestling? A Martian? Like what? The, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> so now as an it's adult, like, you have a different level of thinking about it. As a kid, you're just like, oh, my God, what is this guy saying? This is crazy. <laughs> Go ahead, Darth Pat. I'm sorry. Last night about my match. Ooh, they came down and told me that the heavens will will help me out with Hogan. And if not, the earth will crush and I will have to be forced to. Like, what the fuck were you talking about, bro? <laughs> but it was and for our funny. listeners that are <laughs> catching us on not YouTube, uh, Theo was just doing a gorilla press. <laughs> He's gorilla pressing and the someday, warrior thing. Oh, no. someday, we will go into more detail. Joe also played the Ultimate Warrior once. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right north pack please continue sir um well uh just kind of touching last one last thing on the warrior i mean i think i think this is what joe was kind of alluding to 
um, the, you know, the pre WrestleMania six promo where he was talking about, you know, putting the plane into the nosedive and everything. <laughs> that might be the most, that, that must be the most, that might be the most famous warrior promo, but at the same time you're going, what? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I was never be kidding. Yeah. So I think, I think again, when you get into the nineties, there was definitely a switch. I think it came more about, it became more about who could come off as being the coolest guy, like who who sounded the coolest or who looked the coolest. And the click guys, I think, were really kind of yeah. Razor, yeah. Razor the, Ramon was was cool. I, I loved Razor with the toothpick. Yeah, he was. My name is Razor Ramon, <laughs> and I'm the bad guy. I he this. was the epitome <laughs> of cool. It's it, it's still amazing that he claims. And I don't really doubt it, to be honest, because knowing the, the stuff you hear about Vince, that, you know, Scott Hall claimed that Vince had never seen Scarface when Razor started doing the Scarface character. And it's like nine years after Scarface had been in theaters for the first time and everything. So um, I would have passed him not seeing that movie. But <laughs> um, but so I think, again, a lot it became about, you know, just kind of who sounded the coolest. There was like less emphasis about being like, you know, like. All right, Honky Tonk Man, when I get you in the ring in the Boston Garden on Saturday night, May 17th, <laughs> you're going to get you slammed the match, and I'm going to put the big, like, you know, it wasn't about that, like, that wasn't what the promos were about anymore. I'm sorry, you did Hulk Hogan oh, join yeah, us at some point in time? Path. Tell them, brother, tell them. <laughs> I didn't you know, know Hulk it, Hogan joined us for a promo. <laughs> yeah, it, it became more about, and I'm going to embarrass myself doing this, but it became more like, you know, hey. Heartbreak kid, <laughs> you think you're gonna climb that ladder before <laughs> you ain't gonna get one step up that ladder I loved it. because you just ain't oozing machismo. <laughs> I'm still trying to figure out. I'm gonna, I'm gonna ask. Does anybody know what oozing machismo is? Like, I still cannot figure out what the hell that is. <laughs> um, I, my best theory is that it's some kind of an inf- of an infectious respiratory disease. <laughs> uh, COVID. Um, <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> I mean, the other, the only other theory is that it means just drinking copious <laughs> amounts of alcohol. I mean, because. <laughs> oh, oh. oh man, Theo's looking that up for us. He looks very intense right there. <laughs> I, I remember, I remember someone asked. I had a conversation with somebody about this way back in the day, and we like, we were looking it up and like just oozing. We 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 originally thought like oozing machismo, like your look. You're more, how do I say, masculine, sexy. Your look is better, like stuff like that. So I'm, I'm gonna, I'm googling right now. I want, I want to see what it says. So, like, <laughs> even like, like even even though it happened later in the '80s, even or '90s, even Bret Hart, who cut a lot of the same promos for years, he finally even, you know, we got to see another side of Bret Hart. We got to see him change his get up, you know, his best there is, best there was. Like he had been doing that for years. And right. he even changed and went, you know, heel. And we got to see that the best side of Bret Hart to me ever was was when he turned heel. 
Well, I, that was something I was kind of getting to. I was one other thing I just wanted to quick mention about the '90s. One of like the more like underrated feuds that happened in the '90s because it unfortunately mm-hmm. was on, was over kind of quickly was the Hollywood Blondes against Ric Flair and Arn Anderson, where mm-hmm. Rick and Arn are faces, which is kind of funny enough. But you know the blondes were out there making fun of them as you know being old and past their prime and everything, even though I don't think Arn was actually appreciably older than either Pillman or uh, or Austin. Austin. But yes. uh, you know Arn, like uh, like Conrad Thompson says in his podcast, Arn Anderson has looked fifty since he was twenty five. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, so so and he does a podcast okay, with Arn. So. so the Urban Dictionary definition. <laughs> Urban Dictionary. Here we go. Um, a Spanish word, I don't think there's a direct English word translation. No, it's machismo assholes. Like, why would you even put that sentence in there? So, <laughs> let's read this. Having an unusual high or exaggerated sense of masculinity, including an attitude that aggression, strength, sexual prowess, power, and control is a measure of someone's manliness. Also, a machismo man feels having these traits entitles him to respect and obedience from men and women around him. The belief in the right to dominate and control, including but not limited to controlling over women. Ooh, <laughs> not good there. I mean, that sounds kind of like, especially especially the way the Razor Ramon character was when he first started as a heel. So, yeah. But um, yeah. What, what I was kind of saying there about... Uh, so like, you know, we mentioned like things started changing in the nineties. Like, uh, one of the things that you can really tell, I mean, so Hogan comes to WCW in 94 and he's still doing the red and yellow train, say your prayers, eat your vitamins, believe in yourself mm-hmm. for his first two years that he's there. And if you go back and you watch some of the early nitros, which, you know, so we're talking September 95 through, I think it was about March of 96 when, before he went on a hiatus. Um, in, in some of the pay-per-views, I mean, he, he was never really fully embraced by the WCW crowd as it was because the WCW crowd still perceived him to be the enemy because he mm-hmm. came from up. Yep. But you definitely, you definitely start to see like this, there's this like booing and people just aren't buying it anymore. You know, they're, they're cheering more for, for Flair and, and also Sting and Savage who were the other top faces. But, you know, they're obviously, there are a lot of times cheering for Flair and even the Giant over Hogan. So, Everything really cha- everything changes then, obviously, once Hall and Nash come in and then once the NWO takes off. And, you know, you, you, you see it's like it really is like, you know, just like, boom, flipping the switch. You know, you're going from one extreme to the other. And I think it's because that happened that, yeah, you were able to see Bret Hart kind of, you know, change the way mm-hmm. that he did. And it did then lead... Like, you know, that's where, like, again, like, everything started to get blurred, you know, it was like, was it real or was it fake, you know, because, mm-hmm. you know, when Hall cut his first Nitro promo again, I-, I remember watching that and, like, shouting out to my dad, like, you know, Razor Ramon's on Nitro, and, you know, <laughs> it's, it's and, like, the way he was talking, it's like, I did seriously go, wait a minute, is is this happening? You know, is this really, are they really invading? It's like, by that time, I was smart enough to know better, but... <laughs> <laughs> I still was going, but 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 are they? You know, so um and, and WCW got ahead of the WWF there at the time too. I mean and yeah. see the ironic thing is two uh, I mean I'm hoping not spoiling anything for later, but you know, two of the more groundbreaking promos that are out there were obviously the, the Bash of the Beach ninety six promo and the Austin three sixteen promo. And I think what a lot of people kind of forget is that the Austin three sixteen promo was first. 
Like that happened mm-hmm. the month before the Bash at the Beach promo. It's just that whereas the for you know Hogan being the third man and everything was such a dramatic seismic change. Austin three sixteen was like a was a slow build. You know, right. It took a little while to get going, and it's like I think even because you know obviously Austin won that King of the Ring. But I think like the next two pay-per-views, he wasn't even on the damn card. So it, it, again, it took, it took a little while. But those are the two promos that always kind of feels like really changed the game. And then, yeah, the rest of the 90s, they really did feel about being who could be raunchier, who could be uh, more suggestive, uh, you know, mm-hmm. who, who, could be, who could be more vulgar, that kind of stuff, you know. So it, it really it really did change everything on a dime and it's like i guess you know maybe we got like vince russo to to bank for that i don't know but yeah, uh, yeah you know it's so there, there, it, it all kind of went that way and then really ever since then i i don't feel promos have been as strong there have been good promo guys i think we've mentioned a yeah. bunch of them Jer- rock jericho cena austin uh you know triple h has had his moments on the promo they'll be like obviously there was that era of Raw where it's like, oh, we're going to start with a 20-minute Triple H promo tonight, you know. Um, <laughs> so <like>, true. <laughs> you know, but then you move to, you know, to guys like, you know, Cena, obviously. But then I I feel like Cena was, like, the last, like, truly great promo guy in the sense of, like, from, like, when he started. Now, I, there's probably a couple other guys you could throw on there, like 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 Punk, but I kind of would say like he started before Cena, even though his WWE career didn't. Uh, and I mean, Daniel Bryan's proven to be a pretty good promo too, but I don't think Daniel Bryan's on the same level as some of these other guys. And I don't know, is, I don't know about it, Daniel Bryan. I don't know if I'm there with that one. Means. I, he he he's been one guy that's been able, I think, to really kind of captivate the audience in a lot of ways. Um, Miz is yes. Miz has been like one of those kind of sneaky underrated promo guys, but his character has been pretty one note for most of his right. tenure. His his face turn from like last year and everything, uh, you know, notwithstanding, you know, he he has been doing kind of the same thing for about 10, 12 years now. So, um, yeah. I mean, he's been good at it, but yeah. Um, and I don't know if I'm jumping the gun here. We're talking about the status of promos today. I think there is a reason for why I I feel like Cena is like in and Punk are like the last truly truly great promo guys. Um, yeah, we're gonna talk about the state of promos in in a little bit. So I think I just want to kind of leave it there. But yeah, I, I know that I, I know I just talked for a long time, but to me that's kind of where I feel like the history of the promo was and who I think really some of the best promo guys have been. Yeah, you could say the promo kind of started as um, essentially like a way for guys to talk about their upcoming match and who they're going to be fighting. Yeah. Essentially a way to promote themselves, you know, before, because before that it was essentially interviews like athletes have interviews and then it turned into trash talking in the kind of in the eighties, more of a trash talking. I'm going to do this to you. You're not going to be able to do anything to me. We're going to fight on this date promoting the time when they're going to fight and then turned into the house show. Yeah. And then it turned into the comical, raunchy, dirty stuff. And now we're in a much different age, which we'll talk about in a little bit, uh, you know, because the current state of the promo. So uh, that kind of just sums it up for everybody. And, it, it, and everybody had some really good points to make. I just wanted to summarize it all up for all our listeners as far as like 
how it kind of evolved and where it started from uh, yeah. in a much more condensed version because <laughs> <laughs> I didn't have anything to add. I couldn't add anything to all that. There was, it was just too, too good, too good by the rest of you guys. So, so we, we get to the attitude era then, and then that's when we start getting these guys who are like all time great guys. Yeah. And we're going to talk about, uh, next, our next topic we're going to talk about is the individual wrestlers that are really the like the good mic skills, the good the guys that just can really do really talk on the stick. Before we do that, though, I just want to do a quick public service announcement, <laughs> and that's to say thank you for all our listeners. Uh, whether you're catching us on YouTube, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you're catching us, we do appreciate you listening. And if you are catching us on YouTube, though, please make sure you're subscribing to our channel. Turning on those notifications so you don't miss a single episode because we are coming to you every single week. As well as making sure you're giving us a like. Uh, leave a comment. Love to interact with you guys. If you're catching us on iTunes, Spotify, or Stitcher, you know, leave us a rating so we can jump up there so people like yourselves can hear us, get entertained. Because um, that's what we're here for. Just to everybody have a good time. Enjoy yourselves. Sit back, kick back. And kind of forget about the worries of your day and listen to us kind of bullshit and babble a little bit. So <laughs> let's move on. Let's talk about individual wrestlers that are good on the stick. And I'd like to you, kind of start off. You this forgot one. to mention Mount Rushmore at the end of the show. Holy crap, I forgot that twice, didn't I? <laughs> oh, how dare I? And please. That beer you're drinking. Yeah, that's, it's the beer. I've, I've forgotten everything. Um, <laughs> it's crumbling. <laughs> So, yes, please stay tuned to the end of the show where you are going to hear the Mount Rushmore for this week's podcast, which is going to be about wrestling and about promos. But you got to stay tuned to the end to find out who it's going to be on Mount Rushmore. Now, let's talk about individual wrestlers that are good on the stick who can really just talk. I want to start this one off because I'm going to say talk about my favorite wrestler to ever hear and that is the rock rock in my opinion is i don't want to say is the greatest but is probably is. one of the best people that he I is hate. okay and, and just so everybody knows me and aj we're big rock marks big time rock marks it doesn't even matter yeah. about that he is but he is by far probably the best that i've ever seen talk on the mic there is you know after he got out of the rocky maya vf stage and it got into um, being in the nation of domination. Oh my God. I almost forgot about the nation. Jesus mighty. Um, when he got into the nation of domination, that's when he started to evolve his game in the mic skills. I mean, yep. one of my favorite promos that I ever saw from him is, I mean, there's a lot of them, but this is probably one of my favorite in his early days is when he's doing the promo and he's giving everybody Rolexes in the nation of domination <laughs> And he talks. He says to Mark Henry, he's like, "Yeah, big boy, I know we got to get a couple extra links, the links for you, because the rock, but the rock's got you." And then he goes to Farouk, and he's like, "I got a special gift for you, Farouk, a special gift." And Farouk's like bewildered. He's just looking, and he's like, "What the hell did you get me?" Because it's completely different from everybody else. And he opens his damn thing up, and it's a picture of the rock. He's like, "That's right, the rock got you a picture of the rock to put on your wall." I'm like, "Oh my god!" Like this is just. Over the top, like ridiculously absurd, but it was so innovative to me. Just funny, engaging, like just, and he got some real heat from not only the, he got heat from the people that he was trying to in the ring, 
and it made people like all of a sudden know that he was no longer going to be a bad guy. He was turning into a face. Like that's the kind of promos that he could cut and he could switch it on a dime too. Um, you know, when he didn't feel the crowd was behind him, he could switch it on a dime and turn into all of a sudden, okay, I'm gonna, I gotta be a bad guy. I've I gotta turn this into a bad guy promo. He was, he was one of the first, he was like, and I'm not saying I never saw it before him, but he was that first guy who was so good at what he did. They had, they had no choice, but to turn him face. He was a heel and everybody was popping for his promo. So they got to the point where they had no choice with him. He was so good at what he did, they had to turn him face because everybody was cheering for him when he was cutting promos and he was doing the people's elbow and that stuff. He was so good at what he did. He was the first person. A lot of people followed, but he was that first guy I really saw as a heel who was so good at what he did. They had to turn him face because the people were all cheering for him a year later or whatever. They're like, I've never seen somebody control a crowd like him. Not Austin, not Hogan, not anybody. That dude controls the crowd more than anybody I've ever seen. He comes up with the most ridiculous things to get the crowd to say, and they fucking say it. And some not some of them are funny. Some of them have been a little bit dicey. But yeah. he just takes two words and puts them together, and he's like, the crowd's going to chant this, and it's going to be trending worldwide in five minutes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah it, it, he was just... He was unique. He was a one of a kind kind of Mike Skills guy. He just had he was a one of a kind. And then there's a lot of those guys that during their day, during their time in wrestling, were one of a kind guys on the mics. And and Rock was definitely one of them. Stone Cold was another one. Whether you liked him or not, I know AJ, you're not a big fan of Stone Cold, but he was another one in that same time frame that could invoke a crowd to hate him or love him. And he kind of had the same effect, not because of his mic skills at the time. But because of the character that he played, right. they had to do the same thing for him. You can't have the heel getting pops for because, you know, what he's doing in the ring and in and, and what he, you all of a sudden we got to change your face there. You know, everybody's popping for you and you're supposed to be the bad guy, not because of what you're saying, but because of what you're doing. We got to change your face. So now we're going to have you beat up the boss. I, you know, I think the difference between the two of them was Austin. He didn't he didn't succeed when they tried to turn him heel, whereas the rock. When they needed to turn him heel, he succeeded. So I think that's where the the difference was between the two of them. Like Austin, they tried to turn him heel and it didn't work because I don't think he he knew how to do that anymore. I don't know what happened. But when they needed The Rock to go Hollywood and turn heel, he had no problem doing that. And like he like like you said, Jeremy, he could switch on a dime and and just be face heel. I think he's the best face heel guy I've ever seen like his promos were almost as good when he was a face as they were when he was a heel and there's not a lot of guys who were good at both sides of it he was the mm-hmm. best at at he was the closest to being good on both ends as I've ever seen like on a, yeah. on a consistent basis yeah and then you got to look at um Ric Flair now I didn't watch now I haven't gone back and seen a lot of like NWA or you know WCW stuff or any of the other wrestling organizations he ever wrestled in because I know he was kind of a journeyman in the early days because that's that's just what you did you know you travel from different promotions to get as much money as you could because hey if you didn't do it you were living on freaking potatoes he was um, special he was very special too but he you know from what I got to see in on YouTube as far as promos that people 
you know, put up there on YouTube in his WCW and what I've seen in early WWF days before it became WWE and even WWE, some of the WWE promos that he did in his later years, he was great. He could really move a crowd too. Like he was very special in being able to move the crowd. I mean, what was it? Uh, what the hell was his tagline when he was in WCW? Jesus, I, I'm um, airplane ride. No, jet flying, jet flying, kiss stealing. <laughs> it was jet flying, limousine riding, kiss stealing, wheeling, dealing. Son of a son gun. Of it, son of a gun. Like he used who, that like, for a long time. I know, and he used it for a long time. But I mean, come on, like that is like one of the the primo like taglines, and it worked. Like he emphasized that that character everywhere he went, everything he did was all he about his character. It. And he did any, and, and promos, he lived in his promos. You could feel it. You could hear it. And it was, just, it was special. He was special the, with it. The ultimate sign of respect is when somebody mimics you like mm-hmm. Jay lethal and does a <laughs> promo and has a woo off to me. That's <laughs> the ultimate sign of respect. I'm using this to talk about that promo. That's the ultimate sign of respect. When somebody can mimic you, and and that promo is 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 amazing. Be, like, oh, yeah. and I was watching it as it happened. Like, mm-hmm. holy shit, this is fabulous. Thank you, Jay Lethal, for being able to mimic Ric Flair and do the knee drop on the jacket. <laughs> that from start to finish, like the promo, Jay Lethal doing his imitation of Flair, Flair giving it back to him, and just. All the way to the end, like when, you. When he's like, oldest ride, longest line, and Lethal's like, they're gonna shut that ride down. I'm like, this is great. You can't, you can't. That's that's one of the best promos I've ever seen. That might be the best non WWE promo I've seen, other than maybe the Hogan heel turn. That that's right oh, yeah. up there. <laughs> well, yeah, and he that was his other thing. You're gonna take a ride on Space Mountain tonight, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like in that in that Jay Lethal one, he's like, that that lady out there wants to ride Space Mountain, and he was like gyrating to ladies on the ropes. <laughs> Only 70-year-old Ric Flair would be doing that. Yeah. Like that that so listeners, go back and watch that promo. Go watch <laughs> the Jay Lethal Ric Flair TNA promo. Just it's it's gold. It, it's a gold, it's one of those golden moments that can that'll never be recreated ever. No, Darth Pat. Who's one of the Who's one of your favorites that you've seen cut promos? Uh, I mean, I think I've mentioned most all of them already. I, uh, there's a few guys I think I forgot to mention at various times. Like I thought Rick Rude was a good promo guy, mm-hmm. uh, which was always kind of mystifying as to why they paired Bobby Heenan with him. And I know, of course, Rude didn't right. like that. He didn't need a mouthpiece. He was pretty good. <laughs> it's just because it, I think I had more to deal with it when he came into the WWF, which was, I want to say it was mid late 87. I think if he were to run down the heel roster at that time, everybody had a manager if they were a heel. So it didn't yeah. matter who they were. Um, I think that's the way it was, but I could be wrong. Um, <clears throat> I mentioned Edge and Christian. You know, they were always, uh, they were always good with promos. And so let's go. Ed, let's take a step back though to Rick Rude, because Rick Rude, uh, since you mentioned him, I remember like his tights, like his getup, yes. was freaking fabulous. When like, he the had picture of himself on his ass. When he had was, Jake, <laughs> when he had Jake the Snake's wife on his pants, that was priceless. Yeah, oh, like yeah, and his. They had, yeah. 
His all you yeah. white trash hillbilly sit down so the ladies can see what a real man looks like. That was priceless. Uh, he legitimately, he le- they, they legitimately got sued over that from somebody in some city, and I can't remember which city it was. I'd have to try to look it up. <laughs> and so, like, whenever they, whenever they went back to that city, he had to like tone it down. <laughs> it's, I mean, that to me, that's kind of amazing, you know. Uh, wow, people were even <laughs> people were getting butt hurt even back then. Yeah, that's what it is. It's like when people talk. Well, yeah, I don't want to make this into a discussion of today's sociopolitical climate, but you know, when people talk, you know, and they, we all know what those buzzwords are. If, you know, and they say like, "Oh, this didn't happen back in the day." It's like, yeah, it did. It was just not talked about on twenty-four hour cable news because that didn't it's exist. Like. Like, yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I mean, I, you know, just as an example, like when when they would make fun of the sports teams, like I'm a Yankees fan. And when somebody made fun of the Yankees in a promo, it was usually funny. And I thought it was hilarious. I wasn't like, oh, fuck you. Like, I appreciated that stuff. No matter what sports team they were making it about, usually it was something funny. And I was just enjoying it from that perspective instead of, you know, when when I go to stuff here and they make fun of the fans in Cleveland. I'm like, well, I hate Cleveland, so you can make fun of them all you want. It's, it's hilarious <laughs> to me. All right, so you were saying uh, Edge and Christian. Edge, Edge and Christian were quite entertaining. Um, obviously, the the five-second poses became you know pretty funny. And you talk about making yeah. sports teams. The one that I always remember is when they, uh, they along with Kurt Angle, mocked uh, Scott Norwood's missed field goal from Super Bowl twenty-five. <laughs> <laughs> being a Giants fan, therefore, the, and therefore the beneficiary of that, you know, I could always appreciate that. And uh, somebody, somebody else, I don't think anybody's mentioned so far was uh, Mick Foley. Mick uh, Foley, go ahead. Yeah, I was gonna say Foley. Uh, you know, you, you didn't really get a lot of chance to see it in WCW because they were always kind of depicting Cactus Shack as being like you know kind of an insane monster. But I think when he got to ECW, he really, you know, he really showed you something else, and his promos were yes. were pretty one of the kind. And then, to to in my view, successfully carry off three different personas, and to even have some of those personas go back and forth, because you know, mankind started as a as a heel and became a face, and Dude Love started as a face and then became a heel at one point. Uh, so I, I think that always that always worked really well, and and obviously, I, I mean that's. And they would bring him back as a commissioner and stuff like that, just because, you know, he, he was <laughs> fully is the uh, the master of the cheap pop. Obviously. He's overrated. I think Foley's overrated personally. So, I mean, he, he's yeah. he's obviously the master of the cheap pop, but that's also kind of become like his his specialty. Like, you know, you know, you know, whenever you see Foley, you know, come to mm-hmm. town and cut a promo that he's going to uh, he's going to do that. But I mean, I, I also. One of the things that Foley did that I always remember pretty fondly is when he did the heel turn in uh, uh, 2006 well, for when they did the second one night stand and everything, because he was like he was taking like a very particular point of view. And it's like and it was like one of those things that were like in his mind, he's not a heel kind of thing. He was saying, I love WWE, fuck ECW, you know, that kind of thing. So mm-hmm. it's one of the nuanced kind of things that I think only certain people can pull off. And I thought he did. So um, I always like Foley, but I, I mean, I so, think both the other guy, I think we can think of, I, I really think we've already Darth, mentioned. Darth Pat, do you have a nice dude love promo for us that you could cut? Because <laughs> we know 
you can do dude love. Not Come that on. I not that I feel like I can do just off the cuff though, because I'm not I'm not as in, I'm not as in, I, I don't feel like I'm quite as in tune with like that voice and that character as I am. <laughs> I mean, Foley Foley was in one of the greatest promos of all time. He was in This Is Your Life. And that is um that's one of the highest rated segments in like raw history, that 15 minute segment. And, and I think the rock did mo- most of the groundwork in that promo. I don't think Foley did a lot. I think that was mostly the rock, but Foley was in one of the best promos of all time. But like, I mean that, that promo, we got Poontang pie that night. So it doesn't even matter what else happened in that promo. When he dropped the Poontang pie line, that was gold. I was in that promo. Poontang pie before he was. So I'm taking that shit. <laughs> Foley's job in that promo was real, was really to be the straight man. I know. And at the time, like, you know, mankind had become like a little kind of corny and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So he was the perfect straight man for that particular promo. Right. And as far as Foley goes, it, it for me, like you really had to listen to his promos. You couldn't just it wasn't the pop, you weren't going to get the pops like especially was like yeah. these mankind until he like started doing the intentional pops for you know we're here in you know this town hooray for this town you know those kind of cheap pops you really had to listen to his promos and if you listen to his promos they they he was really saying something like and you know he played the character very well so his promos came off it, very different when he was mankind compared to Cactus Jack or compared to Dude Love. So if you paid attention to him, you could get what he was trying to say. But if you were just looking for the entertainment value, I can understand AJ being like, yeah, I think he was overrated because he wasn't trying to be the entertainment promo guy that was left to The Rock, to Triple H, to Steve Austin, you know, to all those guys. He was trying to be the more deranged, intense. Probably had some. He had some good promos. I just don't think he had tons of them. I think he had right. a few, like, scattered ones. I could pick out some. Um, the ECW ones were better. I was going to say, I think a lot of it is good, but maybe say better promos. Okay, that's, that's fair. Yeah. Okay, that's fair. ECW, like, especially, especially the, uh, you know, the, the Kane Dewey promo. That's kind, <laughs> of, the, that's kind yeah. of the one that I always think of most because you can you could really tell that he took that one personally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so yeah. I I think that Chris Jericho is another guy who I really think is like upper tier. I I don't know if I was there ten years ago, but now in AEW, he's that guy has recreated himself like five times. Like I don't think we've seen anybody in wrestling reinvent themselves more than Chris Jericho has. He keeps finding ways to reinvent himself and he tweaks his character and he still so good on the mic like he's he's gonna be an announcer when he's done because he's so good at what he does that's Mm -hmm. why like i went back and watched any promo i could find that had the rock and chris jericho in it those two guys were gold anytime you put those guys in a promo together they had three really good promos The, the first night jericho was on raw like that promo was fabulous and his debut to, yeah. to be for the rock to be okay with that. Like the rock, I'm sure had to, okay. You know, Chris Jericho coming out, you know, and interrupting him. I'm like, mm-hmm. that was probably for Jericho. He was probably like, Holy shit. I get to go out on my first night and I get to get, it doesn't matter by the rock. How cool is this? 
I think one of Jericho's other, I, that was, to me, that's his second best promo. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. I think his best promo was his 1004 move promo in WWE. <laughs> With Dean Malenko, where he had yeah. the list, where he yeah. had the list. The original, like the original list. Like I just, like him debuting our Raw was cool, you know, like the stuff with the Rock. But I just found that promo just <laughs> hilarious, and just the way he delivered it, it was great. Like that was the start of, like him. I don't want to say the start, but that was he had a lot of other good things that he did in WCW too. Um, and you want to speak? I mean, this is kind of like going off topic. Like he commentates on AEW, right? So I was watching um, on the network an old, I can't remember the show. It was an old WCW uh, pay-per-view. And I don't know why he was doing this, but they were having like a, a battle royal or something was going on. And all the guys were coming out and he's standing on the stage. And like he's announcing every single wrestler <laughs> and he's like throwing tidbits and making fun of them and and talking shit on them. And he's just going on and it's like <laughs> making fun of their outfits, something about their moves, their gimmick, like every guy came out and he's just going on and on. He has, and he's standing there with the mic just doing it. And I was like, what the fuck? And I, re- I rewound it. I'm like, I got to watch this again because I missed he- some stuff. It's He's, just hilarious. He was like, he became the master. Like, Michaels did it once, but Michaels isn't from Canada. Jericho became the master at going to Canada and starting to make the crowd think he was with them, and then he would shit on them and be like, Canada sucks. Like, Jericho did that more than once, where he played nice to the Canadian fans and then flipped on them just to be a dick. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 real quickly, going back to the, the 1004 hold promo. <laughs> A couple things about that that still tickle me to this day. First of all, the guy he beat in the match right before he did that promo was freaking Marty Jannetty. <laughs> um, the third move he said, like every other move he said was armbar. <laughs> um, <Yep. laughs> n- number three on the list was the moss-covered, three-handled family gridunzel, which I believe is something, and I, I believe this is honestly true, is something out of a Dr. Seuss book. Yes. So not that it wasn't a real move, but I believe I've heard that in the years since, somebody on the Indies created a move and named it that. So that's, <laughs> nice. that's, so that's pretty hysterical. And then the other thing, too, was, of course, like they, they like cut away to commercial, then they come back from commercial, and he's on like move like 650 by that point. And you've got, I think, I want to say with Mike Tanay, Tony Schiavone, and, and either Larry Zabisco or Bobby Heenan in the booth. And Tanay is being all serious, like all of a sudden saying like, well, what was that last move that he said? And Schiavone's just like, I don't care. <laughs> so like, you got like the announcers arguing with each other over it. There, and there was... They, really ended it but it was yeah that like that promo was one of those ones that really was kind of uh, ahead of its time too i think yeah. and because that was be- go ahead because that Gary. was because that was he was wasn't he going to, he either fought or was going to be fighting dean malinka who is the man of a thousand and one holds right right yeah. that's exactly yeah that's why i remember that one I mean, and he and malenko had a great feud at that time so yeah yeah they did. so there was there was another promo that i saw the rock and and jericho do and that one is memorable to me because we tried to mimic that one. And uh, Pat was uh, actually the interviewer during that. And, and, and Jeremy was playing the rock. 27 takes later. 
And yeah, and that was the that was the one where that one where Jericho and The Rock are trying to steal each other's lines. So like Danny was playing Jericho, but we had me then come in and interrupt it with as John Cena. So we changed it a little bit. But that's the one, Jeremy, where he's like the whole Jericho family. Jimmy Jack Jericho with the iron long and, and Grandma Jezebel with the dirty panties. Like, and Jeremy did a really good job on that. Like, but we, Danny's the one that kept screwing up because Danny didn't like being given a script. But, like, we did a pretty good job. Like, when I go back and watch that promo, I'm like, wow, we did a really good job. And then I, when, I see, when I saw The Rock do the one with the coach where he makes him sing. I remember you doing that with Pat, with Nick Bischoff. And that's where we <laughs> stole that from. You were like, fans, would you like to hear Nick Bischoff sing my favorite Neil Diamond song? Oh, the rock did so many of those promos with the coach where he made the coach make an ass out of himself. Like he made him dance. He made him sing. And the coach always like played right into that. Like the rock was always picking on. It was Michael Cole, Kevin Kelly. He was picking on whatever announcer it was. And he picked on him over and over and over again. Well, yeah, he asked uh, Michael Cole at one point in time, are you looking at the people's strudel? <laughs> I thought he asked William that. No, he he's like, you get wet with perspiration. Like he said that to Lillian too. He, uh, he, he asked Cole that too at one point in time. He did. He definitely brutal. asked Cole that. He's like, turn around. <laughs> but yeah, that. So Joe. Yes. What other people um, would you have to throw in there that we haven't really talked about in depth uh, as far as promo and mic skills? Do you know who was good? Vince McMahon. <laughs> yeah. Hell yeah. I think one of his best promos was the Life Sucks promo. <laughs> I don't remember like, that he, one. He, um, was that the one with DX or DX people were in that one? I don't remember the whole thing. That I remember that was the Life Sucks promo was one of his better ones. But like he was he was good on the mic. He was. No matter no matter what it was, of course, you know, heel Vince is always good on the mic. But he was ingrained into a lot of different feuds, you know, with uh, The Rock, with Cena, uh, mm-hmm. or CM Punk, with um, DX, Austin. With uh, DX. Yeah, DX, you know. When they dressed um, up like when they dressed yeah. up like Shane <clears throat> and Vince, that was hilarious. I mean, there was – he, he had a lot of feuds. He just had a lot of feuds with other wrestlers and, like, his heel promos and stuff like that and, and things of that nature. He was He was really good with that. I think he's like the one of the best non-wrestler slash non-manager slash mouthpiece guy. Like the owner of the company was out mm-hmm. there cutting good promos with a lot of the top guys and things of that nature and different feuds. Yeah, so I give yeah. credit to Vince, man. He he did he he did some good good damn work over the years. I was gonna say that's kind of a short list of like you know you're talking like non-wrestler, non-manager guys. I mean. Uh, your, your list then basically becomes McMahon Bischoff when he was running WCW, yeah. and yeah. Heyman was Bischoff running East. Yeah, Bischoff, yeah. Was, Bischoff was good on the mic, and he you know he did it first. But you know, talking about Vince on the mic, you know, obviously he was one. He arguably really the best heel of all time too. You know, you have you ever listened to Cornette talk about the Brett screwed the Brett screwed Brett? <laughs> and Cornette's always like, "Well, Vince thought he was going to be the babyface after all that." <laughs> nope. <laughs> Wrong. We're like, 
no, you're the heel. <laughs> like, you done fucked up. So, yeah, there's, I mean, there's just, I mean, we could just go down a list forever, guys. I mean, literally, just, there are so many yeah. people. I mean, I want to kind of go back to one that um, AJ mentioned. That was the Macho Man Randy Savage. Um, while he doesn't necessarily have a lot of memorable po- program um, promos, he definitely had some very cool taglines, some things that he put in almost every promo, and just the, I mean, just the "Ooh yeah, brother," you know that that kind of <laughs> shit. Like just shit. snap into the Slim Jim, you know, just that stuff. And let me tell you, Gorilla, you know, or no, not not Gorilla. He never got interviewed by Gorilla, but. Um, Mean Gene, let me tell you something, Mean Gene. You know, with it, that's that voice that he used. Just made his promos like when he started his promos off, and having Miss Elizabeth there, and you know, even if they weren't the hand up, yeah, he always, you know, and doing the fingers and you know, <laughs> just, you know, that those made his promos, in my opinion, even if they weren't like funny or you know the most invoking they made him interesting because of the kind of character that he was and i think that's a kind of an underrated thing in promos is the kind of character you are it's not just always about what you say i mean what you say is probably 90 percent of it but some of the visual stuff that you do and i think that's what kind of made the rock you know he could really talk and he had the the, the visuals that you were always doing the eyebrow you know he was always doing something with his hands you know you know that's where the Macho Man kind of made his promos yeah. a little bit better than probably what they would have been if he just stood there and talked to everybody, you know, more like an interview. And same thing with the Warrior. That's what made his promos kind of weird, too, because he was always very animated and intense. Um, but uh, surprisingly, we didn't really talk about Hogan. Because you know, his, his, promos. his promos were vanilla before he got to WCW. He said the same, like, Pat, we both alluded to him kind of saying the same thing over and over for a long time. I yeah, agree. His, I think his, his, his promos were of a, were of a certain type. Um, they worked uh, at the time. They, yeah. They could be repetitive in nature. It's yeah. Like that's exactly right. That they worked for the time and everything. But there it, was one promo that I was watching and I caught this on the network the other day. Cause I was trying to get, cause my son has like all our old, like little plastic, like spring loaded uh, action figures from wrestling. When we were kids, my, me and my brother, mm-hmm. and he has a Brutus, the barber beefcake one. <laughs> and he's like, who's this dad? I was like, that's Brutus, the barber beefcake. And I was, a, I love Brutus, the barber. Beefcake. I, I, I like beefcake. Was, he wasn't bad at promos either back in but, the eighties, but there was one where him and Hogan were on a promo. And I think it was probably, before they fought Savage and, and uh, Zeus. Zeus. Yeah. Probably. I think that's, but that was actually a really good promo. He's talking about riding the Harleys up and down the west, you know, up and down the west coast and shit. And and it's funny because the barber doesn't say much in that promo, but he what he says, he's like, I like the scissors and <laughs> I like the steel and I can't wait to I cut you up. You know, it's like, what the hell is like, is the barber insane? Like, I don't remember him being an insane person, but he that sounds like a, that sounds like something a dastardly brother would say. That's what that <laughs> sounds like to me. <laughs> I think the thing with Hogan is like his promos kind of got they did get vanilla over time. He cut he had very good interviews with Mean Gene and other guys. His interviews were really well done. I think he struggled as wrestling innovated. Innovated and was seen more on a weekly right. basis. He struggled with the crowd and the people trying to change it. And I think the heel turn was the best thing for him. 
because it gave him a whole new platform and a whole new avenue to explore I, that he really didn't do before. And then that's where he kind of started I watched, to really take off. I watched one that I was at in Philly. I watched one where it was when Rock was the heel and it was like the night after he beat Ho or like it was around when he was going to fight Hogan. And he was like, the Rock was via satellite and Hogan was there. And the Rock was such a dick to Hogan. He just was like, <laughs> and go ahead and talk. <laughs> like he kept doing that to Hogan. He's like, three, two, one, you're on. And that's the one where the rock is like, do your hulking up and say your prayers and eat your vitamins. And I was laughing so hard when I was there because he made so much fun of Hogan. And Hogan was just kind of sitting there doing his red and yellow promo still. And the rock was making fun of him like the whole time via satellite. And all the people there were cheering for Hogan, of course, and I was not. So I, I remember him like making fun of Hogan. He's like, go ahead, rip your shirt off. <laughs> Classic stuff. It was Philly, too, and he was like, I'm going to go get me a Philly cheesesteak from wherever. And then he's like, nah, those cheesesteaks suck. And somebody was in the background, and he's like, this was right after I think the Eagles lost to Tampa Bay. And he's like, she's making me Tampa Bay tofu. (laughs) 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 And he's like eating it, and he's like, this tofu is so good. Screw that cheesesteak. Oh, that's yeah. funny. No, I mean, that's why I say we the promos as far as like being able to go back and talk about different people that were really good on the mic. I think we hit a lot of the really probably the really good ones that we, we remember and some of the guys that maybe some people don't remember being so good on the mic because there have been so many people. So let's do a quick public service announcement, and then I think we should move into our next topic. Oh, oh, Darth Pack, go ahead. We don't really need to elaborate on this, but I'm just really curious to ask this question of all of you. Who do you think was the guy who got the most mic time and did the least with it? Most mic time and did the least with it? Roman Reigns? Reigns. (laughs) I I was thinking Roman Reigns, too. (laughs) I was curious if you guys were thinking Roman. Um, Some other guys that kind of pop into my head like that are like Lex Luger. Yeah, uh, definitely. Oh my God, <laughs> Rick, 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 Rick Steiner. I don't think yeah. I don't think Rick was ever that great on the mic. No. Uh, shoot, there's somebody else I just had him on. Roman, Roman's had his moments like once or twice, but Cena tore him up. Like when the when Cena and Roman did those promos, like Roman got him once, but Cena fucked him up in those promos. I mean, he definitely did, good. and then that's going to be something I want to talk about when we get to our last section. But also think about this: Roman's best ever promo. Was five words long. Huh. Yeah, talk about the yard promo. This oh. is my yard now. Yeah. That night after WrestleMania, he got booed for like 15 straight minutes. He just let them kept booing him. He just let them kept booing him. He let them kept booing him, and then he finally just said, "This is my yard. This is my yard now." Dropped the mic and walked away. Okay. I was seriously. Well, they should have. They should have turned him heel then, and they didn't. No, I they didn't. Some... Yeah. Yeah. Something else we didn't really talk about was Bully Ray with the Dudleys because Devon. Mm-hmm. Well, I was, was talking just, about guys there again. Yeah, Devon just there, but Bully Ray was really. He was at the time too with with his promos in ECW and just a promo guy in general. Booker yeah. T too. Booker T, I think <clears throat> when he got to WWE, Booker T was pretty good on the stick too. I, I'm not saying all time, but he was entertaining. Oh, here's another guy I just thought of since you mentioned Booker T since they tagged for a while. I don't want to say that he was a, a, a bad promo necessarily. It the seemed like dust. 
It, no, it seemed like it took several years before we finally realized he did have a certain amount of mic skills, and that would be RVD. Yeah. Yeah, he was high all the time. So, yeah, you know. <laughs> oh, another, another guy. To say? <laughs> another couple of guys who were always really good on the mic, but, again, their best work was by far in ECW, would be Shane Douglas and Raven. Yeah, Shane Douglas. Raven was that weird one, too, where, like, he would just talk in, like, cryptic shit. But people were captivated by the cryptic crazy talk shane douglas he 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 was another one too i forgot about him he was shane he had shane, very good he had good promos he did some good he, stuff at wcw too he was good but yeah it was mostly just about what he did in ecw so yeah all right so go ahead so curious i was gonna say we can kick it back to the uh, public service announcement now all right quick public service announcement for all our viewers and listeners Let's thank see if he gets watching. it right this and time. Thank and thank you for listening. We do appreciate you guys tuning in, whether no matter where you're catching this, we do appreciate it. If you are following us, though, on YouTube, please make sure you are subscribing, you are liking the episodes, and you are clicking the notifications button so you never miss an excellent episode of this crazy-ass podcast. Um, give us a like. Leave a comment. We'd love to know what you guys think. Please, if you love us, we want to know. If you think we're shit, well, we'd like to know that, too. But if you're going to tell us our sh- that we're shit, at least tell us why we're shitty. All right? So, um, well, if you are I'll catching us... six on your ass. <laughs> if you are catching us on iTunes, Stitcher, or Spotify, please, you know, leave us a rating so we can jump up in the in lists so other people like yourself can find us and be able to listen in and catch this good humor, good fun that we always deliver, I feel, on a weekly basis. And... Stay tuned to the end of our show, which is coming up in not too much time, more time. Stay tuned for the Mount Rushmore of promos. That's what we're going to be talking about. That's what our Mount Rushmore will be is the Mount Rushmore of promos. Find out what it'll be exactly as far as who will be up there. All right. So let's talk now about the current state of the promo. And do you guys, should I kick this one off or somebody else want to kick this one off as far as the current state of promos? Hmm. I mean, okay, I'll, I'll go. I'll go yeah, ahead. Let AJ, AJ do it. I mean, I don't. I, I I think we're like kind of at that point where I I think me and Theo had this conversation like not on a podcast where they have a couple of guys that they fall back on now. They don't have a ton of people. Like I'm I'm just kind of talking about WWE right now. They don't have a they they don't have an overabundance of people who are good on the mic. They have like four or five people and they tend to fall back to them now when they need like, th- there goes my poster. <laughs> Rollins. Oh no. Rollins is pretty difficult. These posters are falling off the wall. <laughs> like Rollins is pretty good. I mean, I, I, I personally think Owens is the best guy they have on the mic right now. So, but then, but they fall back to like Owens and Rollins on raw whenever they need promo work, they fall back to them. And they have AJ and one one or two people on SmackDown. Mm-hmm. Believe it or not, NXT like doesn't really have a ton of guys. As much as I like NXT, I don't think they have a lot of people that are like really Adam Cole's decent on the mic. But they don't have a ton of people there who are like fabulous. AEW's got people, but their their best person that their best person that their two best people one's really old and one's really young. They have Jericho and they have MJF. And, and that's kind of what – so a lot of these places kind of rely on a handful of people right now. They don't have 
tons of people to do it. They're relying on a couple of people to carry it. So does that fall to the fact that and we'll just we'll just regulate this to WWE. Is it because they don't trust people to actually go out there and be able to cut a good promo? Because they're like, we really just want you to say this kind of stuff, and they're scripting everything. Because I've listened, you know, I've listened to Jericho's podcast, I've listened to Stone Cold's podcast, I've listened to the people that he had the the guests that they've had on from different organizations once they leave WWE and they go to other places. The thing is, is the WWE scripts a lot i mean like 90 percent of the promo for these guys is scripted so they evidently have a trust issue in the wwe to say okay we don't trust you to make sure that you talk about these certain things and actually say something that's going to be crowd invoking funny serious get the crowd to do something which is kind of sad because there are i think in my in my opinion last time i watched they have some really good people that could probably be really good on the mic but because they script stuff so so badly that how how can you make a script your own? Like it's not your words, it's not your thoughts. It's hard to tell, take a script and say, Joe, yes, Theo, this tell him ever. tell him what you told me when we had this discussion. Like if you here's, remember what you told me. Here's my biggest issue. Like <clears throat> so here I here we'll go. We'll just um, let's let's go because I said like for like thirtieth time already on this <laughs> podcast. But you like. Like, like <sighs> God damn, I hate saying that word so much. <laughs> so what me and AG were talking about there, they were talking about this. I kind of feel that since Dusty passed away, Dusty mm-hmm. was pushing a lot of people in NXT to be themselves and teaching them how to cut promos. Um, even when he was there, when they would get up to the main roster, we all know Vince has final fucking say and the writers up there. So I felt like they were kind of giving them free reign to a certain extent, but they were still scripting 80%, 90% of the promos. Yeah. Um, I feel like once Dusty passed away, I just feel that whoever's running NXT, as far as helping these young people with the promos, I think they're taking what they do in Raw and SmackDown, and they're instilling it into NXT. Because you don't see... You have a guy named EC3 right now who I – we talked about this the other day. I started watching some old NXT stuff when it first started, like the eight rookies and the eight veterans, you know, all that shit, and going to NXT Redemption when EC3 was first on there. And I kind of forget there were some good people on NXT back in the day that kind of did good promos, and EC3 was doing good promos, like – good shoots and interviews in the back, you know, the, the segments, he was really good. He goes to TNA, makes himself even fucking better, mm-hmm. comes I back to WWE and they fucking, they, it's another waste. Like he could be like a top heel right now. His wrestling's good. His promos are good. So it's for whatever reason, they just dropped the ball with him. But I just feel that they know Seth Rollins is good on the mic. Owens is good on the mic and they have maybe one or two other people that they feel comfortable on the mic that kind of do their own thing per se. And they just keep falling back on them over and over and over again. It's kind of like with the wrestlers, you know, they put Charlotte Flair in that same situation. They don't trust people. So we're going to put Charlotte Flair, all these programs, put the belt back on her again. It's the trust issue. And I don't feel that they want to develop anybody 
they have people in NXT and they have younger people who can actually do good promos because I've seen some of these kids promos. I'm calling kids. God, some of these, <laughs> these guys, these guys promos, <coughs> excuse me, and the indie circuit. So I, I know these guys can cut a promo. Do they need to be fine tuned and refined to a certain extent? Yes, but they need to, they need to kind of let them either pass or fail. And if you're not going to do it on NXT, then you're sure in the hell ain't going to do it on fucking Raw and SmackDown. But you got to start somewhere. So then like he, he needs to he, he yeah. needs to let loose and let Triple H or, or or get somebody in there. Fucking hire somebody that's very good with promos and, and start the ball rolling. Because other mm-hmm. I watch TNA, I watch AEW, I still watch Ring of Honor. Um, I watch um, I can't New Japan but whatever but I you know I watch New Japan and Access and I I still watch it on, on a certain link that I watch uh, New Japan um, overseas you know <laughs> I, I I used to watch Lucha Underground when it was around you know there are so many people out there in other organizations you know they're cut all these people are cutting good promos but yet WWE the main company still only relies on four fucking people maybe five. And everything else is like, we've got to go to script. We've got to change this. Oh, and no, can't say this tonight. Like, when the fuck are you going to, like, let these guys be themselves within their character? And to, that leads to me to point? this, where they take a guy like Drew McIntyre or Fat Ass, and they make these guys who are, like, big, strong guys that can be badasses. They try to make... Drew McIntyre be funny and I'm not yeah. buying the funny with him and I'm not yeah. buying the funny with fat ass Keith Lee either. So they're not meant to be funny. Don't force these guys to be funny. They've ruined yeah. Drew McIntyre to me because they're, I'd rather see Drew McIntyre come out and be like, I'm a badass. I'm going to kick your ass, blah, blah, blah. Be that heel face. Don't be the face where you're trying to make jokes and stuff because that's not really his character. And that's the same thing they're doing with Keith Lee I think he's terrible on the mic. I don't think he has any charisma. So just mm-hmm. let him come out and cut the stupid fat guy promo and wrestle and do what he does best. And they're they're just that's another thing where they're messing up with characters. They're not letting them play the characters they should be. They're forcing their hand. I think other than Cena and Owens to some degree and maybe Rollins, I think those are the only three guys that are probably they say just go out and cut your promo. Very wide. We try thrown in there. Okay, maybe Bray Wyatt. Yeah, yeah, I would say Bray because he's shits all over the place too. Right, because he <laughs> he just he goes out and does Ultimate Warrior nonsense sometimes. So they can they're like just go say whatever crazy shit you're thinking right now. And I don't so, want to go like Bray either, but he cuts good. He does good promos too. He yeah, he does some. He's he's on the cryptic crazy side too. But they're, they're, <laughs> it's it's good captivating shit. Other than those guys, I think those guys kind of have some free reign when they go out. Like I think Cena one hundred percent has free reign. Yeah. Most of those guys probably have some free reign. I don't think they have complete free reign. I really think Brock and Heyman and Cena, or I mean the rock when he's around Cena and Heyman are probably the only people that are allowed to go out and say whatever they want without a I script. I think Miz does too. I think Miz has earned, earned the trust. McMahon's trust to, to go out and do ad-lib promos for the most and see, part. And here's the big thing uh, for me is even if a guy is not good at a promo right now, doesn't mean that he can't be. Nope. You know, you're right. Charisma can't be taught. Either you have it or you don't, or you find a way to get it. 
Okay, you can't teach but somebody charisma, but what you can teach them is <laughs> Darth Pat evidently has a lot of charisma. <laughs> he's oozing the charisma instead of machismo. He's oozing charisma. charisma baby. You don't get to be a Darth without having the ability to sway the crap. <laughs> but the big thing is, is if you and this goes for anything, it's not just wrestling promos. It's anything in here if you want somebody to learn how to do something right you gotta let them try it fall on their fucking face and learn from it because if you don't let them fall on their face and say okay this didn't fucking work let me try something different tomorrow the next day next week whatever it is next time i'm get on tv they're never gonna be good at it you're never gonna be able to trust them to be able to go out in there and say talk about the pay-per-view that's coming up talk about their matches coming up whatever it is that you want them to talk about hit these bullet points they're never going to be able to do it and be themselves and be able to win the crowd over unless you let them fall on their fucking face edge and christian are a really good example of somebody who had no mic skills or charisma at all when they were in the brood when they first got i and then all of a sudden they turn them heel so they're like walking proof that you can and another Mm -hmm. person that I thought me and this is a person that me and Joe talked about is Bailey. She was terrible on the mic. Even with Dusty helping her, she was terrible. Joe said she went out and got somebody out of wrestling to help her. And now she's not the best person on the mic, but she's not awful anymore. She's somewhat entertaining. And she's gotten to the point where her promos are. I actually look forward to seeing her promos. Whereas two years ago, I was like, oh, here comes Bailey. This is probably going to be terrible. (laughs) She was a female version of John Cena without the promo skills. <laughs> so, so, Darth Pat, anything to add for current state of promos? Yeah, they suck. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, but there's, there's, there's a couple things that you guys have already said that I, I kind of want to just build on a little bit. Uh, right. AJ, AJ mentioned um, – the way that they kind of change characters when they feel like that they have to turn them face, especially. And you mentioned, you know, McIntyre and Reigns, and I think Strowman could fit into that group a little bit as well. The reason they got over and that the audience started cheering them is because they were badasses. It's because they kicked ass and took names. It wasn't because they were cracking jokes. Now, I'm not saying they can't crack jokes from time to time, but I think they'd be much better served if they didn't change their characters so much to the point where it sounded forced. We all remember when Rain did the whole Thuffer and Thuckatash line. Uh, you know, so, <laughs> yeah. so that's the kind of so that kind of shit right there is annoying as hell. And, you know, you guys have been talking about it, too, as far as, you know, that they have promo class. I, if you're going to give these people like a script and say, like, you know, this is what you have to say, then what's really the point of promo class? Just to make sure that they can talk. I mean, there's, like, there's a way you can do that without having like a promo class. I mean, it's like. So, but also, isn't the I, I don't watch, I haven't seen some of those behind the scenes things, but in those promo classes, don't they basically say, cut me a promo? They don't give them a script. They say, cut me a promo. Right, they so, do. They so do. If, you're, if you're saying, cut me a promo, and then they bring it to the main roster, and it's like, hey, here's a two and a half page script that you've got to memorize, and you've got to say these lines exactly. What the fuck's the point? And here's another thought that I had. Um. And we we talked about Edge a few times here. When he came back this year, you know, if you were to like have like a, like a ranking of like, a, hey, here's our best promo guys, one to whatever. So, well, the moment he came back, he's already in the top five. Yeah. If quite frankly, do you honestly think that for any promo that he cut since he came back, 
they gave him a script. No. Or, or <laughs> conversely, that if they gave him a script, he actually read it. I mean, <laughs> yeah. it, it, it would be the same thing as like when like like when uh, Austin came back for his appearance on the on the on that March 16th episode and everything. It's like, mm-hmm. do you think somebody tried to hand Austin lines? It's 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 so ridiculous. And it's like Jeremy said, you got to let people sink or swim at some point. You got to let them do it on their own. And I think it's great that they don't try to script Ray Wyatt. He's obviously doing his own stuff because he's the only person who can come up with it. I, th- I think they've said like Pritchard works with him and stuff like that. But obvi- that's obviously got to be mostly Bray. And just kind of one final point I want to make here, since I know we are probably, probably want to get to wrapping this up. Um, I saw a story on one of the blogs that I follow that said that Edge and Daniel Bryan have supposedly joined the writing yes, team. Yes, I saw that. Considering that I think those are two of the better guys in the company right now with the ability to actually cut a promo, I'm kind of hoping that that means that maybe they'll get some better perspective from like the wrestler side of I it. I hope so. And they can maybe tell some of these writers, you don't know how to write a fucking wrestling promo, let us handle it, something, something like that. You know, you just at this point, I think when you see something like that, it's almost like one, it's an admission that they know that they need to improve, and two, that you're hopeful that maybe it can. But again, like was also said, Vince has the final say, and uh, yeah, I just, you know, just increasingly think that Vince just doesn't get it anymore. So well, the Bethany's best- right up there too with having a final say too because uh, from what everything i've heard and i don't know how true it is but everything i've heard stephanie's the one that gets the writers to hand the scripts to the wrestlers which she's is kind of scary she's supposedly the head of creative last i knew so I mean, yeah. yeah that that is that is pretty sad because while stephanie is somebody else i don't think we ever really talked about in terms of mic skills uh there's been times where she's been <laughs> There's been times that she's been good, and there's been times, of course, when you just <laughs> want to shut up, and that's sometimes just because she came off as being too screechy and stuff like that yeah. sort. But, um, again, the fact that she's like the head of creative, I don't know what she majored in in college, but I don't think it was like, you know, the arts or theater or creative <laughs> writing or anything like that. I think it was like communications or government. Or so, uh, yeah, you know. So the <laughs> best, the best, like, and I, I I'm. I like Kevin Owens, but the best six or seven month promo stuff I've seen was when Owens and Jericho were together in WWE in the last five years. That was Mm -hmm. the best stuff. Whether I'm a Mark or not, it's not just me. It's a lot of people. That was the best six or seven month period WWE's had in the last five years. And they just put the two of them together on a whim. And that was that was the best example of lightning in a bottle I've seen in a really long time was that. And those two ended up being fabulous together. And then they, you know, unfortunately ruined that with Goldberg beating Kevin Owens to some degree. But that was that was the best six months or seven months of of promo stuff I've seen from one or two people in the last five years was that stint when Owens had the universal title. And you just made the list. (laughs) the list is fucking just awesome oh oh my god how did we forget about goldberg when we were talking about good mic people oh my gosh (laughs) i think he was on the other list that you were trying to come up with people that Uh, had a lot of mic time but didn't have anything to say you're right (laughs) see i don't know if i would ever classify goldberg as having had a lot of mic time no he didn't they they kept him silent most of the time which frankly was the best thing i mean right i'm pretty (laughs) sure they knew that it was better to not, 
Give him a mic. Right. He he was like he's like the the whole like McIntyre range drama thing I just said where he got over because he was an ass kicker and that's what people wanted to see him do. And like and he even said that like when he had his first WWE run back in two thousand three and they did that one really bad promo with him and Goldust and everything. Nobody wanted to see Goldberg have feelings. They just wanted to see Goldberg <laughs> kick people's ass. You know what, Pat? You were actually you were even though I don't like Strowman, you were kind of right when you put Strowman in that category. They've tried to make Strowman funny too, and I just don't think that that's him. See, I actually, I actually think this. I actually think Terrible. it works when, when, they try, when they try to do the humor. I actually think it works a little bit better with Strowman than it does with with Reigns or McIntyre, as an example. But at the same time, it's like, dude, he's huge. He kicks people's ass. Just yeah. let him do that. And it sucks with McIntyre. Can you flip a bus because, over for us? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, McIntyre can cut good promos. He cut good, a ton of good promos in TNA. Yeah. So there's no reason why just. You can be a tough guy and be a face. You can be a tough guy and be a face. Yeah. But I, all right. He's, so, with that being said, let's move into the final segment of the night. And that, well, it's not actually the final segment, but we are ready for the. Stumper, dum dum dum, oh, stumper shit. question time. So Theo, there's no stumper this week. Oh. There's no stumper this week. <laughs> As you can tell, fans, we pre-planned these podcasts to the T. <laughs> so we were stumped by the stumper. This week. Yes, you were. <laughs> That's the stumper for the week. Mount Rushmore. So a curveball was thrown to us. There will be no stumper question this week. Hopefully next week we will come back with a terrific stumper question that. I won't be able to answer once again. I will, okay. have, I will have a stumper net for Okay. So, All right. Good. That gives me time to come up with a cool logo and some kind of theme music, maybe. <laughs> so let's move on to our last segment. And as always, the end of our show, Mount Rushmore. It is time for Mount Rushmore. And today's Mount Rushmore is going to be our greatest wrestling favorite. promo that we've made. Favorite. So greatest wrestling promo or favorite wrestling promo of all time that we have got to hear. Maybe we saw it live, but most likely it was probably televised that we saw it at some point in time. Well, mine definitely is. And when you guys get to hear that, definitely did not see that live. (laughs) Um, But who wants to kick it off for the Mount Rushmore of Favorite Go ahead, Jeremy. Of all time. Oh, Go you ahead, Jeremy. Your finger, and I'm like, it's actually funny because Jeremy. you're in the bottom right corner of my screen, and your finger's right at Jeremy. I was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Let so Jeremy I go will first. Kick it off. So I'm gonna go a little old school. Now, you know, got my friends that know me, guys doing this podcast with me, know I'm a big rock mark, but I am not picking a rock promo. I am not going that route. Even though I could pick probably ten different rock promos, that would be my you know, best of all time for him. I am actually going to go, like I said, old school, and I am going to go with Dusty Rhodes' Hard Times promo. Now, if you're a wrestling fan and you ever watched wrestling back in, that was that promo was in the early 80s. That was probably, at the time of promos, that was probably one of the greatest promos of, of that time, if not one of the greatest promos still to this day. Um, he was able... To, without yelling and screaming, um, without making fun of anybody, able to invoke such great emotion out of a crowd of people because he related his character, which was the blue-collar wrestler, to the blue-collar worker, which is 
probably at, especially at that point in time, probably 99% of the crowd was a blue collar person everywhere they went, you know, was the blue collar worker. So being able to relate his character, his promo to that group, and he's fighting Ric Flair at the time, if I remember correctly, he's fighting Ric Flair, who's the highfalutin playboy, you know, million dollar guy. And, you know, we're on hard times, baby, you know, just, just, it's an amazing promo. Like that promo, if you're, if you are a blue collar worker or even any kind of person, you can feel like his emotion come through that promo. It hits you in the heart and you're like, Oh my God, like this guy, there's no way he's a wrestler making millions of dollars or even a hundred thousand dollars a year. Like he's probably making ends meet as a wrestler. Like he's going through the worst times of his life. Even though, you know, you know, you can look back in retrospect and go, no, he, yeah, he probably was not making, he doesn't make what these guys make now, but he definitely wasn't hurting, but it's just, it's one of those promos that didn't have to be funny. It was more on the serious side, but just such an amazing promo for that time. And to compare it to now, the promos now, it still holds weight against any promo out there. It really does. So that's my pick. Dusty Rhodes hard time promo. Hold on. And I'm gonna think about Dusty right here. Can you hear that? <laughs> yeah. Some great theme music right there, guys. It is. <laughs> and we're dancing a little bit of dancing. Job is Need my sweet sapphire. Need my sweet sapphire. <laughs> and who could rock polka dots? Yeah, Fucking I know. Come on, <laughs> Only, Dusty. Polka dots, Only Dusty. Only Dusty. So. Man. I'm going to throw it to Darth Pat for promo. What promo is your favorite promo of all time? Mean Gene, the first thing you got to understand <laughs> is people to shut up if you want to hear what I got to say. <laughs> okay, I think we know where you're going with this. And with those words, wrestling literally changed forever. Because even though he had been a heel, of course, the beginning, very beginning of his career in the WWWF and AWA, mm-hmm. nobody remembered that by 1996. Hell no. Uh, I mean, I remember it like this. I remember when Hall and Ash came into WCW, and of course, he kept talking about the third man and everything, but I was not ordering pay-per-views at that point. Um, but I, kept I was watching to, it. But I kept saying to myself, because of the fact that Hogan hadn't been there for a couple of months. He, I think he was like off filming one of those <laughs> shitty B movies. Um, I, I, you know, at 15 years old, I was saying to myself, huh, wouldn't it be something if Hogan was the third guy? But I was like, ah, oh, no, they, they, they won't do that. They can't do that. And then they did it. And the promo that he cut, I mean, you could tell it pissed the. I mean, obviously, you knew it pissed the fans off because the way they were throwing shit, the way yes. they tried to jump to the ring and everything. I mean, that, that dude got stomped. Yeah, that's what he should have. But you know, you go back and you watch some of the stuff from like you know the Southern Territories in the early '80s. Fans try to do that actually pretty frequently, which is kind of scary when you. Think I mean, about somebody it. tried to do it at the Hall of Fame so a year and a half ago. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, um, but. You know, there was probably scripted lines in that promo, and obviously he messed up a couple times by saying "New World Organization" yes. instead of "New World Order." <laughs> I mean, nice. they, be, they, they begin with the same first two letters, and they mean basically the same thing in a lot of ways. So it's like, eh, whatever. Um, 
But at the same time, what made that promo really so great was that you really could feel that he was actually kind of speaking from the heart. Like, like I was talking earlier about how he was getting booed all of a sudden there. And, you know, he was kind of getting booed in, like, his last couple WWF appearances in 92 and 93 as well. Like, if you remember, like, when Sid threw him out of the Rumble in 92, there was a lot of people cheering. So, um, you know, I think there was a lot of, like, from the heart, like, he was just finally being able to say, I've done all this. I've, you know, I told your kids to follow the the right path. And, you know, you've got the gall to boo me. Stick it, you know. So, mm-hmm. You know, I, I really feel like there was actually like a lot of uh, there was actually really like a lot of realism in there as much as any Hogan promo can have realism. Uh, <laughs> obviously, he was only playing an otherworldly character, really, when he was in the red and yellow. And even then, when he was when he fully became Hollywood Hogan and everything, you know, a lot of the stuff that he said in his promos could still be pretty convoluted and everything. But um, I mean, that promo really just changed everything. That, that's that's yeah, I mean, that's WCW shining moment that night. I think that's like WCW shining moment. Well, and, and think about it too. Again, it's like okay, so like Raw and Nitro had been kind of sort of you know going back and forth, both in terms of like quality and like who was like winning the ratings for like the first like you know what was it, like seven eight months that Nitro was on the air. But if Hogan doesn't turn heel and the NWO doesn't form, there is no Monday Night War. There is not. Uh, there probably is no DX. There probably is no Attitude Era, uh, you know, because it forced Vince to change things. I mean, like Vince mm-hmm. could have kept going down like the whole cartoony path that the years of like say like '94 to '96 right. and WWE largely were. So, you know, it's that's why it's the most significant. But it is also my favorite because again, it is you know it's 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 the moment you know Anakin becomes Darth Vader. Basically, it's, yeah. it's I will say for like that to me, like it's the promo is really good, too. So the historical significance mm-hmm. of that moment is big. But the promo is actually good, too, because somewhere down the road, we're going to get into the stuff where I think there are matches that are remembered for historical significance, but aren't really good matches. That promo is a really good promo. So it lives up to the moment that, like, it's the greatest heel turn. It's it's probably the greatest heel promo of all time. As much mm-hmm. as I like The Rock's heel promos and this guy and that guy, that's probably the greatest heel promo of all time. And when, when the fans are throwing that much shit in the ring, you're clearly doing something right. Yeah. <laughs> and, and to think that Sting was the original person that right. Bischoff was thinking about <laughs> to be the third person. I don't or, think it would have worked nearly as I, well. I don't think it would have either. It wouldn't have worked with Sting, like and like Scott Hall said, no disrespect to Sting, it had to be a guy who had come from WWF. And of course, yeah. you know, you, you've heard some of these rumors that have like popped up over the newsletters over the years, like, oh, it, it, at one point it was supposed to be Davy Boy Smith, and it, oh, at, at one point it was supposed to be Mabel. <laughs> I highly doubt any of that shit. It's just like, uh, no, I don't think so. <laughs> so. So to to educate me a little bit, that pro, that promo took place when I know the promo, but I don't remember when it took place. I was well, was Bash at the Beach, nineteen ninety six. So it was July of ninety six. I want to say ninth or tenth. It was yeah, it was July of nineteen ninety six. So it was like like Pat said, it was like a month a month after Austin's three sixteen King of the Ring promo. All right. So go ahead, Theo. Oh, 
Okay. <laughs> oh. Going next. Oh, go last. No, I just didn't know. Just waiting for someone to tell me. <laughs> Fuck you guys. <laughs> Whatever. Uh, so my guy is from my hometown of Chicago. <laughs> Mr. C.M. Punk. Um, his pipe bomb um, on Raw. Uh, I think one of the greatest promos ever. Due to the fact that it was probably 95% real. Um, you want to talk about someone yeah. who was pissed off about politics in the back. Politics with, I'm going to say upper management. That's pretty much what Vince and Triple H and all the rest of them are. With, based off yeah. their titles. You know, the, the realism of that was going on in the back. About storylines, pushes, who was getting pushed, who wasn't. Things of that nature. Just everything. Um it's kind of funny because I think it was B. Crap. I don't remember, and this was sucks. I don't remember if the contract signing was before or after the pipe bomb. Um, I don't remember which one was first, but there was a contract signing in the ring with Vince that CM Punk had. And that was another one that was um, pretty, he was pretty real with Vince in the ring, which mm-hmm. kind of surprised me as well. I remember that. I I know a lot of people praise Punk uh, for that promo. It kind of changed promos in a way, too, um, and how the indies did promos and how they kind of did storylines, too, um, to kind of put those storylines in the aspect of, you know, um, not just the old school Austin versus McMahon type of shit or Bret Hart versus McMahon, but more real life type of promos in um, the indies to use that type of promo for storylines and whatnot. Um, and I think he actually, there was a lot of people that felt the way he did. And, you know, he, he was, I always thought of him as being like a rebel to a certain extent because people didn't mm-hmm. like when he was brought into WWE. He was sent to the reincarnated ECW pretty much to fucking fail. Um, and Paul Heyman kind of was like, no, there's something with this kid. Um, he actually had a really good promo uh, when I used to watch ROH, ROH back in the day, in the day too, when he used to wrestle there. Um, I had the quote up there, part of uh, the promo he did there. He said, the greatest thing the devil ever did was make you people believe he didn't exist. And you're looking at him right now. I'm the devil himself, and all of you are stupid, mindless people who fell for it. Like, he was cutting really good promos <laughs> back in the day in ROH. He had some good promos, too, in TNA when he was when Raven was there and they were doing, like, a Raven's flock version in TNA that didn't last very long. Um, but I just feel, even though he had Heyman with him, which I always liked those two together, but it was very odd for those two to be together since they were very good on the, pro, uh, very good on the mic together uh, individually. Um, but I think it kind of worked, and I think... He, his promos were, I, I, I doubt he really had anything scripted, even when he was mm-hmm. with the, definitely um, not the straight edge society thing going on. I think a lot of those promos were pretty much 98%. He was just doing it and 2%. They were just kind of like, he was just saying whatever they wanted to fucking have him say in the back. Yeah. Uh, but that's, that was my, that was my favorite. I mean, they turned the mic off on him. Um, you know, the mic goes back on and they just let him roll. Um, I mean, he has good quotes from there. Like, 
like the memorable quote from that. Um, I like to think that maybe this company will be better off after Vince McMahon is dead. But the fact <laughs> is, he's going to be taken over by his idiotic daughter and his doofus son-in-law and the rest of that stupid family. <laughs> like that's a, like when he said that. I actually the crazy thing about when he says that in his promo, I'm watching it live. I'm like, I'm stopped. I'm like, fuck. Is he got a point? Because we know. Stephanie and Shane are just like his fucking like just like their dad. I really didn't understand like or know what like Triple H was really doing in the back and whatnot either. It's like, wow, is he just being like a fucking clone of the, the McMahon family? And like, wow, he's really got a point. And to be honest with you, I mean, he does when it comes to Vince, but Triple H has kind of shown he's right. He's more with the times. He didn't um, know then though. I mean, at the time, Triple H probably was a lackey more than anything yeah. else. So at that time. That that may have been true. Obviously, Triple H has way more sense than any of the people in that family. <laughs> I mean, Triple H has brought people back that we never never see. We never thought we would see back in WWE, and he's the one that's orchestrating that stuff. But I think the other thing too with that promo with the contract, he was talking about. I'm gonna. I don't remember all of it. Um, uh, but he's like, I'm gonna end Cena. I'm gonna end this title. I'm gonna take this title with me, and I'm leaving as well, or whatever the case might. It was just. And that's just just another very real promo. Um, I just felt like Punk was, Punk's promos were very real. I never really felt like they were really scripted at all. Like, and he was just kind of doing his own type of thing. And I think Helm, Heyman was kind of sticking up for him and being like, "Hey, just let the kid run because he knows what the fuck he's doing." Um, yeah. So that's mine. Uh, CM Punk's pipe bomb back in 2011. Yeah, 2011. Real, real quick, um, the contract signing you were referring to, is that the one where he demanded the WWE ice cream bars come back? I think it might have been, yeah. That was two weeks after the pipe bomb, if I'm, okay. reading, these, if I'm reading these results. Yeah, because I couldn't remember what was first, the contract signing or the pipe bomb. But that was another like crazy promo as well that was ad-libbed and you know, realistic. If right. I may, sir. AJ. CM Punk beats everybody with the Anaconda Vice in five seconds. <laughs> You're fired, Paul. All right. Go ahead, AJ. What is your favorite promo of all time? There's lots of promos I could pick, but I have to I have to pick a rock promo because right. he is the I don't I'm I'm speaking from my mind on this, not anybody else on the podcast. He is the best person on the mic of all time. And if there's anybody that doesn't think that they're, they're crazy. They're like clueless at this point. Like this, he is the Michael Jordan of the microphone. That's what I like to call the rock at this point. Um, So I'm going to pick the infamous Jericho rock Booker T promo. And I think it's suitable because Jericho is also in it. And I also think Jericho is one of the greatest guys I've ever seen on the mic too. So we are going to go with the Thomas Jefferson sucker promo. (laughs) And the thing about that promo is a lot of times when you go on YouTube, they start with the rock thinging Booker talking to Booker T, but there's actually about seven or eight minutes of that promo before the rock even comes out where Chris Jericho is making fun of Stephanie's enhanced breasts. Yes. (laughs) So, so like that. You can't have that now in the beginning. Everybody forgets about that part of it. So, like, that part is great. Then The Rock comes out, and we get the, you know, Booker, 
You took the short bus. Beep, beep. We get the, and Booker, what is two plus two? Thomas Jefferson, sucker. <laughs> That's just funny. I like that line. And then after that, we further get some rhyme time with Jericho and The Rock. We get the ho- the man beast and the hose beast. And we get the infamous Rock calling Shane the silver spoon motherfucker. And they actually had to beep out fuck. And, and not, not, not too many people have tried to push the envelope with WWE and say fuck. So The Rock essentially got away with saying fuck. And I just, the first time I saw, I, I go back and I watch that promo over and over. And I'm like, this is fucking great. Like the writing, thank you, Booker T, for <laughs> letting them make you look like a complete idiot. <laughs> yeah, because doesn't he call Booker T the punk ass sucker? And then he goes in the yeah. shame man, the silver spoon motherfucker. <laughs> and well, he, he has another line before that where he's like, hair done by Whoopi. And Jericho's like, oh, this is a rhyming contest. So, and you just, you get, you get to see The Rock and Jericho together instead of promoting against each other. And it's just like, those two were so good on the mic that it was really cool to see the two of them together promoting on people. And Stephanie is so mad. Like, and then I even think after the Booker T stuff, they talk about, oh, The Rock's like, oh, we're going to go all around the world. And if we get stuck in the water, Stephanie's got flotation devices. <laughs> She's got handmade stuff. Like, so they even keep it going after that, and they're funny. And they're just that promo is so entertaining from the funny standpoint. And I, I have to pick – I had to pick a Rock promo because he's, he's, he's the guy that we're never going to see somebody with that much charisma ever again. It, it'll happen – Probably not in our lifetime. That guy is the definition wow. of charisma. <laughs> yeah, and with that, and that promo, you know? it it got him over as like the super baby face, <laughs> and put Booker. I said Booker. Booker T. I don't know why the hell I said Booker, but anyway, <laughs> puts Booker T. and Rhino as the evident heel. Like that's what a really good promo does. Sets the two apart. Says I'm the face and you're the heel. And everybody's going to know that by the end of this, no matter how they figure it out, they're going to know. What were you going to say, Pat? Oh, I was going to say, um, yeah, it only took Booker T about a year and a half to recover from that promo. (laughs) (laughs) Seriously. Cause like after rock beat him for the, to win the WCW title, basically Booker T got, in my view, was various degrees of being buried until he started the uh, the program with Triple H at WrestleMania 19, where he also got buried. But you know, that's another that's another subject. Oh, so. they don't bury WCW guys now. Come on. But the Bo- Booker T did have some really great promo stuff with him and Goldust. Some of that stuff was freaking priceless. It like, was, yeah, absolutely it was. Really great. So that brings us to. Well, we got to wrap up, of course, Mount Rushmore. So Mount Rushmore this week is Dusty Rhodes, Hard Time, Hogan, Bash at the Beach, 1996, CM Punk's Pipe Bomb, and The Rock, Thomas Jefferson's Sucker promo. <laughs> Emphasis on the sucker. Sucker. <laughs> so really great Mount Rushmore again. And like we said a bunch of times, there are so many great promos out there. These are the it's best. It's hard that, to pick one. Yeah, it's hard to pick one. So we put the best of what we felt were the best out of, you know, and we spanned a couple different generations here. So um, good stuff. 
brings us to the end of our show. Once again, we thank everybody that has tuned in and listened, watched, no matter where you're getting it, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, YouTube, wherever you're getting it. We appreciate you guys, um, you know, watching and listening because, you know, that's what we're here for. We're here for you guys and we have fun doing it. As you can tell, we hope you're having fun. Um, we will be back next week. Uh, no more taking off. We will be back next week. And next week, like I said the week before, we are doing Star Wars, the prequels, episode one, two, and three. So that ought to be fun because we all have, well, not the greatest opinion of those movies, <laughs> even though we're great Star Wars geeks. So tune in for that episode next week on Monday. As always, we'll talk to you then. Love yous. See yous. Peace out.